There was no hint of murder that morning. On the contrary, it was bright after a weekend of rain. Autumn had arrived late. Floods had hit Spain and a string of Italian cities on the west coast, but Bologna had endured the bad weather with her usual equanimity. This was the city of porticos, after all, and built to withstand extremes. My daughter Rose had already left for school, so I locked up. From our balcony, an undulating wave of terracotta rooftops swept down towards the centre, russet damp tiles glowing beneath a sheen of steam and throwing the courtyard, indeed the rest of the city below the roofline, into dark contrast. But like so much else in Italy, there was always sun if you knew where to look. I walked along our little Via Mirasole, and then on to Deselio, crossing the cobbled road and stepping up to the old orphanage, the Bastardini, where warm light flooded between the tall red-brick columns. I slowed, along with the other pedestrians, to savour every last lick of summer. The church bells, which seemed to keep their own hours, began to peal. We had arrived at what I like to think of as our English summer, when the relentless Italian heat had tapered off and the city became habitable again. Rose might mourn the end of weekends at the beach, but I felt like I could finally breathe again. And while for my fellow Bolognese it was a minor tragedy they marked by switching to dark colours, today I stuck to the cream linen jacket of British summertime. On the whole, I didn't like to play the Englishman abroad, but it only felt fair to show my appreciation. Even the broken lift at our office on Marconi did little to affect my mood, and after climbing four floors I pushed through the varnished double doors, smiling at Alba, who rose from behind her desk. Her look of discomfiture alerted me to the couple waiting beneath the large abstract painting that dominated the reception. Daniel, here is the family Lee. They are American. She sat down, clearly relieved at having delivered a coherent sentence in English. I knew instantly this would be about their child. The couple looked at me the way all parents did, as if I was a rescue vessel upon the horizon. But it was hope, married with intense anxiety. Would they be able to attract my attention? The consulate in Florence sent us, Mr. Lee grabbed my hand. They said you were the best English detective in Bologna. I nodded, although I would have taken it as more of a compliment if I hadn't been the only English detective in Bologna. The Lees were of East Asian origin, Korean, I guessed, from the surname, although they were certainly outfitted in the uniform of middle-class America abroad, chinos and Ralph Lauren polo shirts, blue for him, pink for her. Given my current get-up, however, I was hardly one to talk. Tell me, I said, how can I help? It's our son, Ryan, said Mr. Lee. He's disappeared. That English son was slicing through the blinds into the Lee's eyes, so I pulled them closed. I kept the window behind open. The Commandante's office had had the weekend to rid itself of the old man's cigarette smoke, but I knew that even though he would refrain from lighting up in deference to the Lees, the legacy of his packet a day would reassert itself soon enough if I didn't keep the air circulating. The pair were sitting on the bottle-green Chesterfield sofa, I took a matching armchair opposite, alongside the Commandante. Between us and our would-be clients was a glass-topped Art Deco coffee table. Upon it a clean crystal ashtray, a pair of rarely opened hardback books on Bolognese architecture, and, within a rather beautiful amber-stained lucite box, fresh tissues. They could have been a gentleman's club, or a therapist's. It sometimes felt like both. 
Ryan, said Mr. Lee, our boy, he's a super taster. He looked at me as if this explained everything. I looked at the commandante, who clearly had no clue either. It's like perfect pitch, said Mr. Lee, only for taste. It means you've got more, literally more taste buds, but also, what are they, smell, smell buds? Anyway, cells or whatever's in your nose, and they combine, and, well, you can taste things other people, no matter how well-trained, and actually he was really well-trained, can. No computer can do that stuff. That's what I said, wasn't it, Mary? No computer's going to be able to do that stuff, so Ryan, our Ryan's going to be just fine. <laughs> his voice broke. His wife took his hand and placed it on her lap. She began to explain. While regular food tasters would sample food to assure its taste, smell, appearance, and so on, super tasters, with their rarefied senses, were an elite breed, and Ryan was flown in by clients around the world to check the quality of their wares. 